J.K. Rowling, leave our puckwudgies alone. Stick to your own legends. Stop snooping around at ours. All that and more coming up tonight on episode 464 of Spooky South Coast, right here on WBSM and streaming live on YouTube and on WB and on SpookySouthCoast.com as well. I'll get it right before the next time. of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg with you, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa, science advisor Matt Moniz, and Stephanie Burke. We are here to talk about the paranormal, as we try to be each and every Saturday night, but the Red Sox decided to get destroyed and take up all of our night. Moniz, can you just turn the TV off? That'd be great. Thank you. Seems louder than it should be. We we turned off the fan. We're going to suffer through the the heat and the stickiness and the humidity in here, so we'll we'll turn off the TV as well. Uh, but we will be talking about the paranormal, albeit for a abbreviated edition of the show. And uh, as mentioned in the cold opening, we are going to be talking about J.K. Rowling deciding to misappropriate the Puckwudgie legend uh, in her new stories. Is it Stephanie? I know you're a Harry Potter fan. Is this is this a book? Is this what is this new work that she has coming up? The new work that she's doing right now, um, because I may or may not be signed up on her um, fan base website. I don't judge. I might be completely and totally and utterly obsessed. Um, called Pottermore, in case any of you fellow fans are curious. Um, she's starting to come out with more and more um, info about the Wizarding World after um, the final book without giving anything away to somebody that hasn't read it before. But Harry Potter series obviously ended after seven books. And the fan base is so large that she's continuing with all this new information or information that she had that she didn't include in books. And one of the new things that she just came out with was the locations of the other um, magical wizarding and witchcraft schools. Everybody knows that Hogwarts was the one that um, was the base of the books. Um, and where that one was located, which obviously was London. Um, but in the books, they talk about, especially during like wizarding um, activities and um, different traditions, they had these other wizarding um, students come from all over the world, and some of them spoke different languages. Um, so it hinted at there was always these other schools, and they only ever mentioned, like, two or three other ones. So this time she decided to come out with the locations and the names of all these other schools. Um, on Pottermore, she usually releases, like, sometimes it's, like, a random chapter uh, that wasn't included. Um, sometimes it's, like, a short story. And this time it was information about all the other schools, what they're called, and where they're located. And it just so happens that Ilvermorny is actually in Massachusetts. On top of Mount Greylock. Yep. Out in uh, on the Berkshires, out in, out in North Adams. Uh, where the Houghton Mansion is, and where you know it's a right. pretty pretty strong paranormal area. 
out there. So, uh, but she's also kind of grabbed on to some of the the legends Local and lore legends, that we have yeah. in this area. And so, Chris Balzano is going to join us in a bit. He's uh, he's traveling right now, but he's going to try and jump on with us for a little bit to talk about this. And you can get involved in the conversation as well. You can call in at five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred or eight seven seven nine nine six fourteen twenty. You can also uh, text us. Well, I think the text line might be down. We've got to find out about that. Uh, but you can tweet us at SpookySC or use the hashtag SpookyLive. And you can also join in the chat room on our live YouTube stream as well. So if you're listening to us on WBSM or on the Radio Pup app or on WBSM.com or on SpookySouthCoast.com, you can also go to YouTube and check out our channel there where we have a live video broadcasting. And also we are broadcasting on Facebook Live. So if you have access to that, you can check out the show as well. So all of this stuff is working, Matt Costa, as far as you know? Um, I don't want to jinx it, but <laughs> it looks like everything's going smoothly. So far, so good? Yeah. The, um, I mean, the only, the only thing left, I guess, that we have to say... If, uh, you know, after you said all that. whoop dee doo whoop dee doo whoop dee doo Happy birthday, happy birthday, whoop dee doo whoop dee doo I was waiting for it. Open up your present just for you. I'm a little just upset because uh, it doesn't start off with a hey. Whoop dee doo whoop dee doo May your name be pleasant. Open up your present just for you. Just for so you. this is the happy entire um, ten-minute loop of this, just this over and over again. So I'm just going to keep that playing in the background, and then every once in a while we just might check back in with it. So happy birthday, whoop de doo to you. Yeah, thank you. And for those who don't remember, do you, do you remember what the name of that clown was from Garfield? Nope. No shakes. Binky the clown. Binky. Binky yeah. the clown. So that's that's always been a long time joke between the two of us for birthdays. You know, the, the Binky the Clown. We've <laughs> one more time. Dee doo, whoop dee doo. May your day be pleasant. Open up your present just for you. Just for you. So anyway, uh, we. <laughs> that's. I'm just gonna leave that go. It's like that He-Man video, which is just like ten minutes of glory. Actually, I think they've extended the He-Man video now. It goes for like ten hours. Oh really? Yeah. Nice. You know the te- you know the He-Man video that I'm talking about, right? <laughs> They have that, that, like, disco version of uh, Four Non Blondes. Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's set to the He-Man video. Yeah. Nice. So you can watch. Nice. You can just That's put fun. that on YouTube and just leave it on all day. They have a lot of those weird, uh, like, 10-hour videos. They have, like, 10 hours of Darth Vader breathing. <laughs> it's not it's weird. 10 hours. Because you can, so you might as well. Yeah, might as well. But who sat there for 10 hours and just you know, looped it? You know how when you watch Cribs... Um, Oh, yeah. You know, like you, like they would show like a rapper's house, and like every woman in his house is always playing Scarface on a loop nonstop every day. Mm-hmm. When I get like ridiculously, stupidly rich, I'm just gonna have every TV in my house playing that He-Man video all day long, every day. So no matter what room you're right. in, you'll just see that He-Man video on the TV. Except there's gonna be like one that you play the Rick Astley video. Just to Rickroll people. Just to Rickroll yeah. people. That, like maybe in the bathroom. That's required. Yeah. And if you get Rickrolled in the bathroom, remember. Over, not under. <laughs> Do they have Rick Astley toilet paper? Because I think they should. I don't know. I don't know, but I, I just know it would never let me down or desert me. Well, Here we go. saving us on the phone right now, we have the Spooky South Coast content director. Uh, he is traveling, but he is kind enough to join us tonight. Good evening, Chris Balzano. How are you? 
Excellent. How are you guys doing tonight? We are spectacular. You know that. And, uh, and in case you hadn't heard, not only is uh, you know today uh, we're in the Fourth of July weekend, but uh, happy birthday, happy birthday. Whoopie it's also Mac Austin's birthday. I know. I wish him a happy birthday earlier. So all day I looked. You know, I was on the road. I looked for the. Um, my name is Zoom for Matthew. Oh right, yeah. But I could not find it, so I don't know if you guys want me to like burst out into song with that, but. No, thank um, you. Probably <laughs> My name is Zoom, and I live on the moon. <laughs> hey, Matthew. It's, it's your, your birthday. birthday. You got these. Okay. these see, Chris, okay. it's just you and I on this one, because Matt and Stephanie are too young, and Moniz is too old. I know. So. My sister you, you guys only have a half hour. me on my though. birthday this year, and I was like, I can't it's believe you found need. it. I was looking for it. So. The, and, uh, and, and so the... the idea of this if you're not familiar was they used to have this this guy zoom would put out these records that would say your name when it was your birthday and like your grandparents would go out and buy you this like little 45 and it wasn't even like a real 45 right chris they were like they were kind of like those floppy like freebie giveaway type ones like when when they had that mcdonald's one that came in the newspaper remember that right right like when you would get it or you would get it in like the back of a random book or something like that not the play along books but those were quality stuff yeah those those were you know good hard plastic right the, the, we're talking like, um, you know, like the Billy and the Boingers that came in the uh, Bloom County collection. Right. Also, probably the equivalent to a lot of bands that played in the Middle East in the nineties. Have the same <laughs> quality, forty-five. <laughs> I believe that. Did you Did you ever have the McDonald's one? The the Big Mac McDLT, a quarter pounder with some cheese fillet, for oh, hamburger, yeah. cheeseburger. That was that was a pretty good one. And I also think Burger King also came out with their version too, because you know they they're just always one step behind. Yeah. Well. I think McDonald's uh, cornered the market on uh, crappy souvenir albums. But. <laughs> anyway, uh, speaking of uh, you know of, uh, of appropriating things and, and taking things away, so you actually uh, were on this story, and, and you and Matt running the Spooky South Coast Twitter account and putting out all these stories. Uh, I've seen that you've already commented on this a little bit. We kind of touched upon it. Uh, Stephanie was kind of explaining to everybody what was going on with this this new. Right. Th- World, this new—I uh, guess we'll say—like an, an addition to the to the Harry Potter universe, taking place in Massachusetts. And she mentioned, you know, the the school and everything. But let's get into a little bit about what exactly is kind of pissing us off about this. Well, I, I think that she's trying to build some backstory um, leading into the new movie, um, which takes place in America. And so, you know, so. One of the wizarding schools that she wanted to reveal was, was the one that was in America. Who Stephanie said the name, but I'm way too tired to, to remember it exactly. Um, but, you know, and it's, it's funny because I have Puck Wudgie in my news feed. Um, and so whenever Puck Wudgie comes out, uh, whenever it's anywhere in the news, it pops up. And, and a few weeks ago, probably about a month ago now, Puck Wudgie's popped up uh, when they revealed the names of the new houses. And instead of going with, like, the original Harry Potters are all about the founders, the four founders of Hogwarts, these were all based on uh, mythical beasts that were in America. Um, there was Thunderbird, uh, I remember, and then there was, what really obviously drew my attention was Puckwatch. Um, and I was kind of intrigued by that. And, you know, a little bit, like, taken aback, like, wow, I can't believe Puckwatchie has gotten big enough that... It is now part of the Harry Potter universe because that's a whole um, that's a whole huge audience that never would have known that word if it wasn't in a Harry Potter book. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were a lot of people who are going to be introduced to the idea of the Pugwudgie. 
Um, and earlier this week, right before she released the material on there, I, I read kind of a summary of it. And one of the things that really stuck out in my mind that she wrote was that the Puck Wedgie is uh, fiercely independent. And immediately an alarm went off in my head because there's really nothing. And what I actually, so I tweeted out to her directly, um, to her Twitter account, which she's very active on. So I kind of get the feeling that she reads it herself um, because, I mean, she's famous for coming back with witty retorts that are kind of like of her. You know, you, you get the feeling that it's not some person running it, but actually her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I asked her, like, seriously independent, like, that doesn't make any sense. There's nothing in the lore. Um, you know, modern examples of Pukwudgies usually have them being alone. Um, but really their folklore, which is, which is what she's focusing on, doesn't talk about them being independent at all. Like, they're a group. You know, together they defeat Mashop's son. Together they raid the villages. Today, together they, you know, kill or wound Mashop. So there's really nothing in there that says that they're fiercely independent. And I was a little, annoyed that she was taking that liberty and I really didn't know where she was getting her source material from that that she would kind of get that idea um, and then today uh, she basically someone had written an article about how some Native Americans were kind of annoyed at her stealing their culture um, and I put that article up not agreeing or disagreeing but at least like I wanted to start the conversation of like So, you know, this might be, this would kind of be like someone taking American history and twisting around for their own benefit for a story. Which we see happen. I mean, it does happen. Right. But if you have no idea what the history of that is, I mean, we could talk about Braveheart and the the history of Scotland and how, for dramatic effect, they just kind of take that and run with it, you know, the best parts that they want, twist this around. Um, But then there was something in that summary that, talked about um, how when the, you know, the, the, the witch who founds the house comes over on the Mayflower and she befriends the Pukwudgie who becomes like her best friend and you get the impression that like they go on wacky adventures together or whatever um, and I was like whoa like that is so not something that that is part of the Pukwudgie lore at all right. and that's totally taking a step sideways and and she seems to be going with more of the trickster spirit aspect of the Pukwudgie, um, which is fine, but there is nothing, nothing in her history that says, like, and Pukwudgies and Wampanoags live together in friendship. Chris, I know you like, will get, you'll get this reference, and I don't know if everybody else in the room will, but basically this Pukwudgie is the glomer to her Punky Brewster. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I was also thinking my monster, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah my my pet monster, so, yep. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and excuse me, anyone who follows me on Facebook, you can go on my post and you can see that one of my old students, who is also a subscriber to the to the Pottermore site, um, kind of attacks the article and cites specific things because he's actually read the stories that are connected to it. And I'm like, that's fine. And I see what you're saying, but like, you know, there still seems to be her taking, like, dramatic steps away from what the puck budget is. And, and I think that, you know, that's okay for art, but those of us who kind of do this, 
and those of us who have spent time investigating this and researching this, at least me, I kind of feel like, well, wait a minute. Not only am I excited that, you know, the research I've done is not acknowledged or whatever, which is fine, but, like, you see me just be taking the spirit of this or, or the, an idea or, or a concept and completely making it your own, really spitting in the face of what you've got. And, and basically, I mean, and, and the, the Salon story uh, hits on it as well, but it sounds like, you know, the, the Pukwudgie is Squanto, you know, right. to Squantum. It's the, the Pukwudgie is designed to be this, you know, that, that same type of bridging the gap type figure, which is not only completely opposite of the way that that creature would work, but it also completely cuts out an entire people from the story. And I think that's where a lot of these uh, folks have have uh, come out against this, especially, uh, let me make sure I get her name right, uh, 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 Dr. Adrienne Keene. Adrienne Keene, she points out that uh, by doing this, you're essentially cutting out the entire Wampanoag people, you're misappropriating what they did, and you're trying to put everything that, they did as a people into the magical powers of this being. Right, right. And, and, you know, not having the full story yet and not seeing how, like, kind of she intends on developing this, you know, it would seem to be that, like, you know, you can take liberties as an artist, um, but my concern is that people won't really know what a puck what she is. You know, we've already kind of seen some um, dramatic shifts from the lore based on misunderstanding or misinterpreting or selective editing if you're paranormal state. Um, <laughs> and so it's one of those things where, you know, to some degree, I think it, let's say a Pukwudgie doesn't exist. It's at some point you kind of have to tip your hat to um, the stories of a people, you know? And so to cut them out of the story, but then also take their story and switch it around um, I just don't agree with that. But we we do see it happen in other stories and other and other ways that they tell tales. Uh, they always, you know, the, have the ability to use creative license and an artistic license to be able to change things around the way that fits the story better. Uh, I mean, you only have to take a look at you know some of the the, the what's it. Um, Percy Jackson, you know, they take the, the Greek mythologies and they play with those. And, right. and e- even some of the popular TV shows of today are taking, uh, so like the, um, what's that show on, uh, AMC Turn, the one about, uh, the American Revolution. Yeah. You know, they've been, they've taken a lot of, uh, flack from people for the way they change things around. Well, you know, I think that, um, I think for in terms of the Percy Jackson stuff, um, only because actually my son's reading Lightning Thief right now, and I have a lot of obviously a lot of exposure to it. Teaching middle school, um, they get around that in a very inventive way, which is to say, here's the, here's what you guys, here's what your real world people think, but they totally got it wrong, and here's the way it really is. Um, and so I think there, it's, it sets up this idea of like, and it's the same thing with, for example, like Thor and Loki and Odin in the Marvel movies, for mm-hmm. example. But they're like, well, if you saw aliens as powerful of us, as us, you would think you were gods. And so you guys messed it up. You guys voted wrong. Um, and Percy Jackson does the same kind of thing. So I think it it keeps the, definitely keeps the spirit of those characters and those stories alive. But what it does is just say, 
you guys changed what it really was because you needed to. But here's what it really is. And so when you're reading a work of fiction, you can kind of, I'm not sure if if an 11-year-old reading that can fully understand it, but they at least understand that there are two different versions of the story that might be due to misinterpretation. But the spirit of who those characters are is the same. You know, you don't have Zeus all of a sudden being a, you know, a loving father who's not, you know, like, out there cheating on his wife all the time. Like, those kind of ideas and those characters, and the spirit of them is alive, and then they're just modernized. Whereas this seems to be totally like, oh, here's this little cute idea. Let me completely just mold it to what I want it to. I mean, Stephanie, you probably have more time and experience invested in J.K. Rowling's writings than than the rest of us. Uh, Whoa, whoa, whoa. 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 (laughs) I'm a huge fan, I have to say. Like, to start out with, I'm a huge, huge Harry Potter fan. On a scale from one to ten, where do you land? I know stories about Stephanie that she doesn't want shared on the radio (laughs) about her love of Harry Potter. It should be shared, actually. Until you wore the -the glow-in-the-dark Harry Potter glasses standing in line at one o'clock in the morning at Barnes & Noble to get the next book, you are not on my level. Okay, until you are physically at the window reading the book and there's a car accident and people are asking for help and you can't help them because you have to know what happens next, you can't compare us. You're a jerk, Chris. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> that, that might be Forget a being a Harry Potter level. fan. She's just a better human being than you. <laughs> all right, Sorry, so, Stephanie, you win. All right, fine. I'll win for now. We can we can compare notes later. Okay. Um, I'm borderline obsessed, but um, I do have to say, surprisingly, J.K. Rowling's writings of Harry Potter really you know, are parallel to a medium's life. Like, everything to do with Harry Potter, like Candace and I joke all the time, you've heard us joke, we make Harry Potter references constantly because it's almost like people that read Harry Potter almost will understand, like, what Candace and I go through as mediums. Um, the whole puck wedgie thing, Chris, I don't know if you got a chance to read, like, um, I'm looking at an article right now, and it's, like, the story of the puck wedgie and how they came into the puck wedgie and, um, like, the, the back story of um, the back and forth. From what I read before, I understood what a puck wedgie actually was, and we're talking probably like young teenager, and whatever was available on the internet at the time, Chris's book was out. Um, it's It plays on that back and forth of the puck wedgies. Could they be trusted? Can they not be trusted? Can they be trusted? Can they not be trusted? Which is pretty much what everybody wonders when it comes to puck wedgies. But I do have to say from personal experience, because I have experienced them more than once, um, when she talks about them being fiercely independent, I know the lore says that they travel in groups. I have only seen them by themselves. So I don't know, like, I'm I'm not bashing the lore, I'm not bashing the old stories, nothing like that. But from what I've personally experienced, I have only seen one puck wedgie at one time. Um, so I don't... And, that's, and that totally is consistent with modern sighting. Okay. So I don't know if something's changed or, or what, but... I've and I've actually only met good ones, so I'm not saying that there's not bad ones out there, um, and I'm definitely not saying the good ones that I came across have any um, anything in them to to go backwards and do something bad. Who knows? But um, they've saved me some from some pretty sketchy situations, and I don't know if that has to do with you know energy. I don't know if it has to do with you know. If they pick and choose, I still haven't figured that out yet because I haven't had long enough to do it. Because um, right. they come and they go, but I am very grateful to what they've done for me. So I don't, 
I, I mean, it doesn't seem like she's being disrespectful to the lore. Um, I think she's just bringing light to something that maybe not many people know about, and this might actually be a good thing, um, because if there are people out there that want to correct her on it, and knowing J.K. Rowling, she always makes right on everything that she does, um, and she's always fair to everybody from what I've experienced, and she might even put more of the story out there, which ends up, you know, being a bigger story um, about Puckwedgies or, you know, more well, information and, and to be about fair, it. The story isn't actually written. Right. right. No, means, it's not. So I don't even know if this is going to become a story. Um, it, like I said, she just releases these little bits and pieces just to keep the fan base going because it's so huge. So, well, Chris, let me ask you this question because this, this came in on the Twitter at SpookySC, and you can also use the hashtag SpookyLive. But this question comes from Corey. He wants to know what is the harm in portraying Puckwudgies incorrectly? Um, I think that I think a it's a it's a the role that they play in Wampanoag folklore is not that of a positive one. Um, so it would be the equivalent of taking a um, a darker figure in a um, you know a religion that everyone has accepted. So let's say like I don't know, like you take Catholicism and you make the devil a good guy. Right. It's like it's like keeping up the the eighties references going here tonight. It's like imagine if all of a sudden the critters from Critters were supposed to be like cute and cuddly, you know, friendly creatures instead of you know these strange things that are tearing everybody apart. Right, right, and and you know, it, and it, one of the things that if you make them more friendly and more user friendly, you're also leaving out what would imagine having you know. So she hasn't developed this or whatever yet. Um, the other two elements of kind of like the, the Pukwudgie, uh triad, which is A, the Tai Pai Wonkas, which are supposed to be the souls of people who have lost their lives via the Pukwudgie, uh or whose souls are trapped and the Pukwudgie accused them. That's not the kind of gentler one that Stephanie has experienced, um, but that is definitely in line with what people have experienced in modern times. Um, and then also the dark figures who seem to be either controlling the Pukwudgies or in some kind of league with the Pukwudgie, uh, which once again, in all the stories and all the stories that I've collected in modern times are malicious. So I guess the danger of it is, is taking something which is genuinely a dark force in someone's belief system and making them user-friendly and cute cuddly. And wouldn't part of the danger, not to interrupt you in the ceremonies, but wouldn't part of the danger of that, too, be like now people are going to go out and, you know, they want to encounter a Pukwudgie and they want to catch one and take one home. And so you're, you're, you're basically romanticizing this figure that people should be afraid of. Yeah, but at the same time, like, there's plenty of info out there on the Internet, like I said, and now it's growing and growing and growing. But people aren't going to go and research that. They're going to base it yeah, on whatever gonna, they read in the J.K. Rowling story. People are already Googling this to death. And they're finding out all kinds of info. So if you don't look it up, no offense, but it's your own fault. But that's we're talking right. about the modern world here. Because you know. you're not going to know where to find one unless you Google it. Well, on one hand, I'm a very strong believer in intent. And I, I have a hard time thinking that anything negative would happen to Stephanie because her intent is so strong and so good. Um, and so, therefore, I think that, like, if people are approaching the Pakwaji... And from a positive perspective, then maybe they would have a positive experience. Um, 
But then I also kind of like everything from the modern story seems to be there's an intimidation factor of like, and then don't come back to this place where you found us. Um, being like, go away. Like, we don't want you to look for us. We don't want you to be near these places. Just know that we know where you are. And if you kind of like trample on our ground again, like it's going to be something bad's going to happen. Seems to be the people who experience it, a lot of people who experience it, that's the feeling that you get from it. From the reappearances after the events and things like that. And so where the tent might, might be enough to overpower that, the danger of it also is like they kind of don't want to be known about. They kind of don't want to have people uh, invading their space. See, this goes back, at least to me, I see the same parallel with people did with leprechauns and right. they did with fairies and what they did with elves. If you go back into the original stories about leprechauns in, in Irish or Celtic history, they were nasty little buggers. Wait, mm-hmm. does that mean Puckwudgie cereal is coming soon? Well, could be, but I'm saying that, it, and it goes to directly what Chris was just talking about. They were harbingers just to say, stay away from here. Yeah, so, I mean, that could go a million different ways. And on top of it, if people are just following J.K. Rowling's um, writings, then they're just going to go start looking for puck wedgies on Mount Greylock. They're not going to bother with where they actually are. So well, You might find something a lot bigger out there. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, it seems, it, from, from what I read that my old student sent me, she finds it in Plymouth. Which is, gives yeah. it a very gives it a very like friendly name like William or something like that, right? And then takes him to the mountain. So by that logic, then my also be like, oh, so Plymouth must be a great place for Buck Wedgie because <laughs> that's where she met him, you know. Right. And, and I think well, part of the other part of it is that you know I've read I have the books and I've read the books and I actually took one back because I know my students are going to like it. My son's definitely going to like it. The connections between characters in Harry Potter. And the mythologies that they come from. Right. And she is such a well-researched, it's such a, a um, keeping to the spirit of them, that quite frankly, more than thinking that it was dangerous, my first reaction was like, wait a minute, this isn't what you do. You usually kind of take something and using clever names or using, you know, illusion, you're talking about a deeper mythology of other cultures and you're bringing it into the picture which she doesn't seem to necessarily do with this one. Right. I, I think what she did didn't do any harm yet. Um, but, I mean, that's like anything out there. You put something out there and people are going to twist it no matter what. And they're going right. to... And, and let's not also, you know, forget the 800-pound puckwudgie in the room, too. The fact that <laughs> we've crapped all over a Wampanoag tradition and stories so bad that this is just yet another slight against their history. Uh, just taking something and, and, and appropriating it in a different way and, and not paying proper respect to that culture. It's just another way that we've crapped on them over the over the centuries. But at the same time, do they really put their history and their lore out there for everybody to know either? Because from what I know, they've been very difficult about sharing it. But just because they do, it doesn't mean that it's okay for you to bastardize they... it the way oh, that you want absolutely. to. absolutely. I completely agree with you. But how do they expect people to get the absolute correct story if they're not open about it? Well, you know, kind of I wonder if they know it anymore. Sorry, I mean, Kristen, you off. Being knee-deep in this stuff for like pretty much like a decade now. Mm-hmm. One of the things I've experienced in talking about this, and I think this is part of the reason why the idea of the Puck has taken off, is that there's something very seductive about the name. Yep. 
and there's something very, like, fun and peaceful and, like, playful about the name, and people remember it, and then they want to go, like, and they want to do funny things, and I kind of get the feeling of, like, you know, it, it's it's kind of what Stephanie was just saying. It's a, definitely a more obscure part of their history that, um, that only recently has come to light. Like, if you were going to pick four mythical beasts, you would think you could come up with maybe something else. But I just, I don't know, there's a part of me that gets the feeling that she just liked the name of what she did the way it sounded and went with it and kind of put her own ideas behind it, but she wanted to use the name and some of the ideas behind it. It would be awesome. a really catchy thing, and that's kind of like, kind of what has allowed it to um, really strive over the last 10 years. It would be great to get her on, just to see why she chose Pukwudgie. She's been harassing me to come on for a long time. Oh, good. So, maybe so this will be the way. listen, if we can get James Van Prague on, we might be able to get her. Well, we can certainly try. But one of the questions, and, and we're actually, we got about five minutes left in this hour, and I'm all right with going a little bit longer if you guys are. I'll go to 1230 if you guys are all right with it. Okay. And uh, so we'll do that. Uh, but uh, so one of the things that I want to talk about coming on down the road here in, in this episode, Chris, is I want to talk about what happens then if this does become a full-fledged story and this William does become a character and now it becomes a licensing thing where this is this is becoming a toy or something or, or you know, becomes something that is out there for money-making purposes. But we can get into that in a little bit. I think right now, though, it's it's very important that we check in over here. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah, still going. Oh. All right. Terrible. And uh, just just so you know, Matt Costa, this is an, yeah. also a very special day. How how old are you now? Thirty five. Thirty five. Thirty five. Okay. So this this is also a very special day outside of it being your birthday. Because do you know what happened on this earth thirty years ago today? I don't know. And one of the greatest movies of all time was released. Which one? Big Trouble in Little China. Was it thirty years ago today? Jack you know Burton. what old Jack Burton says? Jack Burton got on the Pork Chop Express, oh took care of David Lopan, which, is, by the way, in that that also kind of bastardized some of the the Japanese legends as well. But you know, had fun with them. But still, the same thing. It, it appropriated some of those Japanese legends. Chinese, but but once again, in that story, he's clearly like, "Oh, you guys have gotten it wrong all these years. This is what it really is." And even saying like, "None of us believed this. We just thought it was what our mom, you know, right. told us to." Because it's so funny you should say that because like just today or yesterday I should say convinced my 50-year-old nephew to watch that movie. This is such a great movie. There's also another anniversary you're forgetting. What's that? Tonight or July 2nd, uh, 1947 is when the actual crash at Roswell well, that's happened. That's true, true. Right. And, uh, and the only difference is uh, there was no Jack Burton then to save the world. Mm. <laughs> he did a good job in 1986. But he didn't do a good job. He wasn't around 1947 to help us out then. Right, uh, do we have any back. word on the progress on the reboot of that, by the way? Uh, you know, as far as I know, The Rock is still signed to be part of it. And uh, I, I actually think that that might work. As much as I'm tired of seeing The Rock in everything, <laughs> I think that that might actually work. I think he could pull off a good Jack Burn. although nobody will be Kurt Russell. That was just fantastic. Uh, right. But. But we, we can we can talk some more about that coming up uh, in the next hour. We've only, we've only got a little bit of time here. And, and Chris, can you stick with us? Is that all right? I know you're traveling. I can. I'm just about on the border of Virginia going into uh, North Carolina, but I think I could pretty much uh, uh, hold my own right So you're now. doing a straight shot. You're driving nonstop? 
Um, we're going to see. We're going to see. Do you want us to just uh, keep talking and keep the show going until you get to Florida? I think we should keep the show, the show going for the next 10 hours at least. All right. I think we could probably pull it. At least let's wait till you get, get to south of the border. border so. Once you get to south of the border, then, you know, then, then, you know, then we can probably end it. I've already kind of, you know, promised that I would stop at south of the border, so. Well, how can you not? <laughs> I've never been down there, but uh, from what I understand, that's what you have to do when you go there. Uh, you, second greatest Pedro of all time. I, I recently spent some time in Florida. Actually, I don't. I didn't tell you when uh, when I was coming back from the cruise. Uh, we we stopped in the uh, Orlando airport for like two hours, and that was all yeah, the Florida I, I ever need. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. Uh, I wouldn't have come up to visit you. That's all the Florida I need. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw it. I kept going. It was fine. It was like Massachusetts, only different. With I kind of feel like that too, but unfortunately, I have to live there. Well, uh, well, hey, the good thing is, though, you're our man on the street. You're our, our correspondent for all the Florida man stories. So you're you're our boots on the ground for when those stories pop up. Yeah, that's wait for that for our new Twitter account. That's going to be our hashtag. Florida man. Spooky South Coast, Florida. That would be great. All right, Beautiful. so we'll we'll continue the conversation uh, coming up in just a few moments. Uh, again, Matt's got the YouTube stream up and running again. It's looking great, although I'm. I needed. I should, probably should have lost a few more pounds before I wore the shirt. Uh, but I am rocking the Bridgewater Triangle documentary shirt tonight. And if you have a paranormal group, send us a shirt. Uh, all the information is on our website about where to send it to. But if you send it to us, we will wear it to pimp your paranormal group. And uh, we are going to take a break for the news. When we come back on the other side, though, uh, we will have more Spooky South Coast with Chris Balzano. We'll talk more about Harry Potter and talk more about these stories from J.K. Rowling that are bastardizing the Puckwudgie legend, and uh, and, and uh, just a whole bunch more. So stay tuned for all of that coming up um, in the Happy meantime. Let's, uh... to you. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to hit the sack. That's a, that's a little little final uh, Garfield happy birthday for you. I'm, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. All right, we'll be back. Abbreviated edition tonight because of the Red Sox, but Tim Weisberg here with you along with Stephanie Burke, the science advisor Matt Moniz, and the silent assassin Matt Costa, aka the birthday boy, who, uh, you know. What do you do? What do you do? May your name be blessed. Open up your present just for you. Just for you. Happy birthday. Happy. Here it comes. Ready? Happy birthday. What do you do? What do you do? Nice. One more time. Come on. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> that's a, it's a lost classic of the 80s. Uh, one more 80s reference we can make tonight. And, Chris, I left you on uh, during the news over the air, so I'm glad that it sounded like you muted your phone. Yes. You are a professional, sir. I am not. Uh, yeah, well, that's because we were talking bad about you. Well, that I would have expected to just happen on the air as part of the interview. Isn't that how it usually goes? 
Right. So you didn't hear anything we were talking about just to be safe. No, well, to be honest, I wasn't really hearing anything you were saying in the first hour either, so. Okay, either was I, because I'm kind of, kind of going off the cuff with this stuff, you know? Like, I don't even know what a pathology is, really. I knew it. <laughs> right. Well, and that's one of the, the things that um, I know has been an issue over the years, is that there hasn't been enough of a def- definition of it. You know, there hasn't been a... Pro- mm-hmm. If there was one properly represented large-scale version of the Puck Wedgie legend, if, if if somebody did it and did it right, and I'm not talking about your writing, Chris, I'm talking about, like, if it's featured in a in a movie or a TV show or something, but featured correctly and it, and it becomes a little bit more of a pop culture phenomenon, then right. it would be different. But because now, because it it exists in fragmented pieces of pop culture, it, it's a fragmented thing to a lot of people. People aren't taking the time to go and read through the, what you've spent 10 years plus uh, putting all together. Right, and, and you know, we were, I was just having this conversation today. Um, because of that fragmentation, you know, that fragmented aspect of it, it's really hard to nail down what a pathology is. And so you have a lot of stories that are coming out and a lot of experiences that may or may not be a pukwudgie, um, but that might be because of an ill-fined definition, you know? So if you think of Fiona Broom talking about Valen Cemetery 15 years ago, you know, there are, there's a part of me that doubts that that might be a pukwudgie. Now, having experienced, having experienced um, both the Tai Pai Wunkas and the Dark Men in association with the place where she said she saw a puck wedgie, I always kind of like took that for like, okay, there you go. But her puck wedgie, she said, looked like Helmo. Um, whereas some other people have said like, no, it looks more like a dog. And then of course we look at, um, something like the Bridgewater Triangle documentary and the infamous, we want you, uh, creature. And it's kind of like, well, that's really, you know, we're kind of putting that forth as a puck wedgie, but that, doesn't really sound like one. And then, of course, the trigger for my all my research was when Joe Citro introduced the idea of a puck because he was talking about the Dover Demon. You know, so we have these very kind of ill-defined. And what people do is they take what is comfortable for them or the prism that they've been looking at things through and then connect. So you might have you know, half a dozen different kinds of cryptids or elementals that are similar in one or two aspects of, of the general Pukwudgie definition, and they're being called that. Uh, but you know, and, and I was going to say, in all reality, maybe that's all the Native Americans were doing as well. Maybe they were taking bits and pieces of these other legends and kind of amalgamating them into one you know, story to share. You know, we're arguing about this, uh, not that we're arguing amongst ourselves, but, you know, we're, we're putting this out there as, you know, a misrepresentation of it as if it was an actual real flesh and blood creature that is being, you know, improperly uh, reported and improperly recounted when in all actuality the Native Americans might have just taken bits and pieces of other legends and put them together to create what they call the Pukwudgie. Oh, and it's also important to realize that in... Uh, many of the accounts, like the, the narrow land being a, a primary example, those were Christianized writings of the Swampinock folklore to begin with. And so you actually have within there uh, the introduction of Christian ideas in association with the Pukwudgies, which definitely wouldn't have been part of what a Pukwudgie was originally. And, it's, and you guys were talking about it earlier, 
it's unfortunate that not many Wampanoags are willing to come forward and clarify the role these have uh, in their lore and kind of what has been passed down via their tradition. I think that's definitely part of it. I know, Stephanie, during the break you said uh, this is something you wanted to bring up. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much you read into it, Chris, but did you read about the hide-behinds? No. Okay, so it says here the hide-behind is another creature that is um, near Ilvin Mori. Morny. Um, oh, wait. Sorry, the computer jumped. It says the hide-behind is a nocturnal forest-dwelling spectra that preys on humanoid creatures. As the name suggests, it can contort itself to hide behind almost any object, concealing itself perfectly from hunters and victims alike. Its existence has been suspected by nomads, which is um, the American version of muggles, which is nomadic people. Yeah. Um, but they are no match for its powers. Only a witch or wizard is likely to survive an attack by a hide-behind. So, um... It's almost like it kind of, she created this thing that um, Pukwudgies are known to do, but also like with a mixture of like a Bigfoot. Right. Um, right. And honestly, like the description, I don't know what the physical description of the high behind is. It doesn't give one. But that is very similar to the the dark figures that are often associated with Pukwudgies. Right. Yeah. So it's almost like she did have some type of um, backstory to go off of. Hey, maybe she yeah, read I mean, your I book. Would, I would be very interested to see, like, where like where she got her information from. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and I, I definitely am not owed that. Um, I know that maybe we as an audience want some kind of insight into it. But I would be really willing, you know, really interested to see, like, well, as I was researching these, like, here's where I got my information from. Um, you know, and like I said, she doesn't owe anyone that, especially not me. But like, you know, I would be interested to see like what stories did she read to kind of mold what she was doing. Right. It says here too. Did you read um, her definition of the pukwudgie? Yes. So it, it lists that, and then it also says um, that they met together in the forest to hide behind in the pukwudgie. And it actually says the two creatures had met in the forest in the hide behind, which was of unusual size and strength, so she puts them together. Um, had not only succeeded in capturing the Pukwudgie, which was young and inexperienced, but had also been on the point of disemboweling him when um, the male wizard came and cast the curse that made it flee. So um, that's where the Pukwudgie came into debt to the humans because they saved the young Pukwudgie's life from the hide behind. So it suggests that the two of them are enemies. Right. Huh. I mean, it, it, it's suggesting that the, the hide around and the puck was your enemy? Yes. Right. So, I mean, that would, and that would definitely be counter to what to what the lore is of, of these dark figures. Right. But modern lore about the puck wedgies, it would be correct. What do you mean? They don't have the dark figures that travel with them. Well, I mean, I, I have... First of all, my experience is of that dark figure being there. Um, but other reports are, too. The, the house in Essex that I've hinted at several times um, definitely had that. And, and it's also a lot of some of the Pukwudgie things that are, like, near Taunton State that have kind of coincide with some of the dark figures that have been doing Taunton State. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I would probably say that even in the modern times, 
those dark figures are as much of a part of the lore as they were when the Christianized versions of these stories came out and they wanted to make a connection between the Pukwesis and the devil. I can definitely tell you um, in two instances that I can think of off the top of my head, the Pukwesis saved me from what I would consider the closest thing to something demonic or elemental long here before anybody else was. Um, The first time I was 17 and um, what it saved me from was a very dark figure. Um, And it wasn't something that it brought with it. It showed up and it helped me. And the second time was a really, really, really old elemental. And it saved me from that too. So I've never seen a dark figure that comes with it. I've only seen it fight against it. So that's, once again, hints that, that maybe these Pukwudgie stories that we're experiencing, even within either A, the Pukwudgie, like, legion itself, there is different versions of Pukwudgies, or that maybe these stories that we're getting are not all Pukwudgie stories. Right, or maybe people associate... I mean, I'm sure the one you experienced and say, like, I'm helping you. Yes, I'm a Pukwudgie. <laughs> no, it was... Nor do the ones that I have on the negative side say, by the way, when you tell this story, make sure to use the word Pukwudgie. So it seems to me that even because of conflicts like that, Stephanie, that we're having a really hard time defining what a Pukwudgie is. Yeah, it could be that. I mean, or if you could look at it from a different point of view, too, maybe they show up where dark figures are because they're trying to protect. Well, let me ask you this, Chris, because you might know the the chronology of this a little bit more than I do. If we're looking at the the Pukwudgie legend, whereabouts in in the time frame would we be able to put? I mean, I know that that goes back well before the English were here, but right. the English had their Tommyknockers, which is essentially kind of along the same idea of the same thing. Although I know that some of those, you know, those knocking spirits were originally believed to be like predeceased humans, uh, but. Or, right. or previously living humans who were deceased, but they they were also the same thing, like trickster spirits who ended up turning malevolent. Is that something that you know the native uh, that the uh, colonists would have had with them coming over, or is that something that probably happened a little bit later? I'm not sure when mining came into play in England, but right. I think I think Tommyknockers, in terms of American folklore, are in a, definitely in a different region. Like they seem to be much more like kind of where I am now, like Virginia. Um, and kind of going west into West Virginia, I don't really think of, even though um, I'm pretty sure the story Tommyknockers takes place in New England. Um, yeah, but that, that has nothing to do with the actual Tommyknocker legend. That was just, right. that was Stephen King but trying I, to make I, a couple million dollars off a cocaine trip. <laughs> oh my God. He, well, he admitted right. as much. Well, don't we all want to make money off our cocaine trip? <laughs> well, you got to make up um, the money you spend on the cocaine. There's really not, there's re- I don't think there's really much in terms of Tommyknocker legends in, in New England, but I could be wrong about that, but I've never really come across stories from our region about that. But so, the idea, at least the idea of like another spirit coming along and they've kind of attached it, um, it, it, it's presented, and once again, I'm using for this part of it the narrow land as a primary source. Um, and then kind of the, the stuff that the narrow land was built on that I then kind of read um, as being like, no, this dark force has always been there with them. It's the devil, and the Pukwudgies work for the devil, which, of course, is conflicting, right? Because the Pukwudgies don't work for the devil because the devil would be Christian and Wampanoags weren't Christian. Um, but it does at least point at that these dark figures were associated with them. 
and that the English, upon hearing the stories of them, went, oh, that's the devil. So what happens if, you know, the, and again, this is just, you know, a, a um, an abstract of, of what could be a story coming down the pike, but right now it's just kind of an idea that's been floated out there more than anything. What happens if this becomes fully fleshed out into the next J.K. Rowling story, the next series, the next big thing, and there's movies made, and there's licensing, and there's merchandising, and all of a sudden you walk into the store, and there's a stuffed puckwudgie named William for, you know, twenty four ninety nine. Did I get the name right, what, it, what, it, what the name was? It is yes. William, yes. William. It is, I cannot believe I had that kind of memory. Go ahead, continue. So what, 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 what would be your feeling, like, what, what would be your reaction to that, to the puckwudgie suddenly becoming a moneymaker? Um, the folklorist in me has no issue with it whatsoever. Um, I would be interested to see what physical version of the Puck Wedgie she would, they would choose to make and to put out there. A short, um, gray-faced, large-eared creature. That's what it would look like. So kind of like the, the, sounds like the creature that you had on your website, Chris. I'm sorry, what did you say? Repeat oh. the description. She describes it as a short, gray-faced, large-eared creature, distantly related to the European goblin. So, like, the big nose and everything. So kind of exactly like the picture that she would have seen on your website, Chris. Right. Or, goblin you know, cousin. I mean, if you if you Google it, the, the, the number of images that are out there that are nothing like, as in another one that take kind of one aspect of the description or another aspect of the description, you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, and in my book, there was someone who listened to the tape of the experience and they drew their own drawing, which didn't necessarily do what I felt it was like, but the person who experienced it said, yeah, and it, it doesn't exactly fit that description 100%. So, I mean, you know, I, I, I think the, the, the spirit of the question is, would I feel slighted um, that Pugwudgies were commercialized? And I would say, you know, like there's a part of me that's kind of like, well, golly gee, I wish that they would then buy a book of mine right. <laughs> or contact me for more information so that I can continue my research some, with it. Some consulting but ultimately, fees. ultimately, it's like I don't own Puck Wedgies any more than someone might own, let's, let's, let's say, the red-headed hitchhiker. Or any more than J.K. Rowling does either. Right. Yeah, right. but in a way, so, it benefits you because you were out there for a long time before Puck Wedgies became mainstream. So if anything, people would start, your book would probably start flying off the shelf. Yeah, you thought you were the Puck Wedgie guy before? Yeah. So, you know, I mean... I would love for that to be the truth, but the fact of the matter is that there's a lot of people out there now who are Puckwudgie experts, who are talking on radio shows and things like that, and my name's not really mentioned, and I think that part of that might be due to mass paranormal crosswords being down. So, like, for example, even the Wikipedia page points to that without my name, um, which is now a dead link on Wikipedia about it. But I don't think people necessarily associate that with me or find me um, based on that. Because I think there's a lot of people who have done a lot of really good research, um, and then some people who haven't done good research, but I think those are the people that they're finding. And I don't think they're necessarily, and I think they're stopping there, and they're not kind of going to the next level, which is, you know, me somewhere down in Florida. Christian. So, I mean, I, I would love it if it, if it meant increased book sales or it meant increased exposure for the, for the show. 
and stuff like that. And, and you know, there's a debate going on in me to, like, should I publish kind of the the history of the Pukwudgie over the last 10 years? Like, would that be arrogant? Would that be... Because yeah. I think as a folklorist, it's kind of interesting to watch the evolution of it and things that are said and half fragments that are picked up that then become this really strong aspect of the feature, um, you know, are, are out there. But I'm ultimately kind of like, well, it kind of sounds arrogant, like I'm saying, you know, like, yeah. I think to you me, should I'm do the it. best person, I'm the original, so... Well, no, but I think you should do it because it hasn't been done yet. And people mention it here and there in their books, but you could compile an entire book of personal stories from people and the variations between all of them and the stories of cultures and everything like that. So maybe you should. Yeah, and you know what? What I really like about what you said, Stephanie, is that, like, I was thinking of it more of, like, in terms of, oh, here was my journey with it. But if I coincide that with a lot more exposure to the culture, that would probably be a... That would satisfy not only me not being arrogant about it, but also, like, getting some all the information out there. Right. You're telling many stories, and you're telling a culture story, and then you're, you know, you're giving facts and history and personal all at the same time. I think it's a good idea. Wait, do I have to give you credit now, too, in it? Yeah, I think so. You're, you're a great writer, Chris, a great researcher, but you're a terrible marketer. I want you to go change your Twitter right now to at Guy. <laughs> you know, get some T-shirts made. Uh, you know, really get out there and push yourself as the Puckwudgie yeah. guy. I'm kind of. I think. I think I might have actually um, hashtag one of them Puckwudgie guy today. There you go. See that? Um, but what I'm waiting for is uh, Dave to call me up again. Like, hey, remember you were the Puckwudgie guy? Like, once you come on and discuss this. Listen, well, yeah. now is the time. You either jump on or you jump off. Okay. Although. I- I'm not quite sure how to feel about that. I, I kind of know what I'm talking about. I'm just throwing that out there. Okay. If you beat J.K. Rowling to it, then Stephanie will become <laughs> a huge fan of yours instead. See that? And I will talk about Chris Balzano till my dying day. And you will have a Chris Balzano like, name tag that glows in the dark? Yep. This is well, listen, that, I think, enough of a reason to do it. As long as the puck wedgie doesn't meet the same demise as Dobby the Elf, I'm good. <laughs> This is this is getting creepy. I'm just I'm going back to this. Oh, what a present just for you, just for you. You know what's funny is when we when we post this video up on YouTube, we're gonna get like all kinds of copyright notices for using the Garfield stuff. Oh yeah, like the real Pinky the Clown is gonna. You might have sabotaged this entire show. They'll be like, "Hey, spooky South Ghost." That is the worst noise ever. You're getting sued. I think you can probably play some prints maybe just to make sure that the, the audio gets taken off yep oh believe me all you have to do is hashtag something isis and uh, <laughs> that causes a problem apparently oh my god from uh, when we had ross patterson on a couple weeks ago whoops i didn't know that you weren't supposed to put videos up hashtag isis i don't want to know <laughs> i don't think i want to know you weren't you were here um weren't you weren't here when we were talking no. about Range 15 and the threat to the Dartmouth Theater, and it turns out it was ISIS in there. So no. that means I was watching at home. All of us now are going to be on a terror watch list. <laughs> like you weren't already. But the one person terrorist watch list, you were already on it. <laughs> I, uh, the one person that shouldn't be on it was not here, the so I'm good. Moniz, when I walk into the post office, I see your face oh, <laughs> already God. hanging on the wall. Well then, I uh, I have no association with any of you homegrown or foreign terrorists. So yeah, listen, I, that my terrorism there. all boils down to one thing, and one thing only. That's playing that Binky the Clown song over and over again. All I care about is getting my Hogwarts letter. Well, you, uh, you might get your uh, 
whatever that school is on Mount Greylock letter instead. I would enjoy that very much, so. All right. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining us, and safe travels home. Thank you very much. Hopefully when you get there, there's a big, fat check waiting from J.K. Rowling Industries to come on board as their Puckwudgie uh, associate, their Puckwudgie consultant. Yep. Just remember who told you to do it. there when I get home, actually. She'll be like, so tell me, what about the strawberry patches? What do I do with those? Oh, should I, bury, should I plant a strawberry bush? Is yes. going to make it all go away? Right, the right. strawberry bush. Exactly. That, that solves all the problems. All right, well, thank you. You have a safe trip, and we'll talk soon. All right, thanks, Lana. Thank you for having me on. Have a great night. All right, you too. Bye-bye. That is the Puckwudgie guy, Chris Balzano. He will always be and forever will be the the first Puckwudgie guy. And uh, you don't did, – did you get that reference to the uh, – to the strawberry bush. Stephanie, you had a look on your face like you were confused. Yes. On, on Paranormal State, they had an episode where mm-hmm. somebody thought they were being harassed by a puckwudgie or, or, you know, Ryan Buell thought it was a puckwudgie. Mm-hmm. So they had Chris come on as the puckwudgie expert over the phone to ch- tell them what to do. And somebody had found some stupid research that said something about planting a strawberry bush and that will make them go away. And so I think, really I think Chris had to, like, tell them that, you know, some people think that if you plant a strawberry bush, it'll go away. And so that's what they did. End of the episode, everybody hugged and kissed and sang Kumbaya, and then Kirby Robinson wrote a book about it. It's pretty random. (laughs) I got a smile (laughs) on the back of He remembers the Kirby Robinson book. Oh, my God. We had a guest on the show uh, years ago that actually sat and watched, like, every episode of Paranormal State and tore apart everything everybody said or did in every episode. It was... I've never seen that much dedication. The only person I would say I've ever seen spend that much time watching a TV show was Mark Sacree, who has, like, made a career for himself out of like the Twilight Zone, but at least like that was a show that's worth watching again and again and again. You don't want to know about my Game of Thrones obsession. I I heard a few things. You heard a few things. I heard you talking about it, so. I I may or may not have a problem, and it might be just as bad as my Harry Potter problem, and I'm just going to leave it there. All right, let's let's leave it there, too, because I don't want to have to start telling you how much I hate Game of Thrones. Why do you hate it? It's not. I keep hearing about this show. You need to watch it, because you'll agree with me. Okay. That's need to be MIT. Reason enough. No, no, I think I think Moni's would like, it. and I'm 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 just being facetious. I, it didn't appeal to me. I don't. It's not a boring show. Did you watch anything past the first episode? Yeah, I watched the whole first season and like four episodes of the second season. How did you not love it? Didn't. What is wrong with you? Didn't. Well, Matt. First and second on. season, it took me a long time to get through. I heard. And I like dragons and swords and all that crap, Ola. See, I wasn't, like, too much into the blood and guts thing. It's not my no, thing. That's, that's, that's what got me. No, but I heard by the third season you're hooked. I was already hooked because I wanted to know what happened. I said my reference was every episode made me angry, and I wanted to know what happened next. And then it just became an obsession from there. I was like, meh, wolves, meh, <gasps> I love dragons, meh. And I love dragons. You know, what it, you, know what it, you know what it seemed like to me when I was watching it? It seemed like a book that's written by a big fat guy with a beard. <laughs> and that's what it is. So I can't get over the fact that he's just some pervert who's never been with a woman in his life. And oh my God. basically just created this whole fantasy world where, you know, he could write whatever he wanted to have happen. Man, I'm still putting this up on YouTube. <laughs> well, I can't tell you my real this, description this of what I think. Okay, well, that clip. in that case, let me talk directly to George R. 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 Martin. See... The only guy I know who, by the way, writes a bunch of books about like people with swords and dragons and everything, but names himself after a pirate. <laughs> R R button. Anyway, so here's here's my my plea to him. All right, finish the damn books already, so that I have to stop hearing about it. 
So stop hearing about people saying, I can't wait for the next book. He's not going to finish the book. HBO is going to finish the series. Well, that's that's the the criticism that I'm hearing is that the people who are writing the TV show have already done a better job with the story than the guy who created the story. They had um. They, they make have the same argument out. with Walk, Walking Dead. Uh, Walking Dead like was yeah. that close to losing me until the second to last season. You know that then then I was like, oh look, things are actually happening now. We thought we don't like The Walking Dead. No, I'm talking about holding my interest. I still, do, I still think it's the most overrated thing oh, no. that's ever been on television. I refuse to watch it now because it's so lame. It's not even fun. But at, at least now things happen on it. No, I don't as opposed to just a bunch of people like sitting there pensively reflecting on what's going on and spending five months trying to find out if somebody's alive or dead. The same thing happens every damn episode. Every single episode. Zombies. And and stop thinking, and I feel like I've been saying this for years on the show, but stop thinking that it's a great show just because they kill off main characters. Killing off main characters doesn't make it a great show. It's lazy storytelling. Mm -hmm. We have nowhere to go, so we're going to whack a main character because that's going to get everybody talking. And you're agreeing with me, but they do that on Game of Thrones, too. Yeah, but it's in the books. Isn't that, though? So, like, The Walking Dead has their So then the guy who wrote the book is just as lame, then, is what you're saying. No, but... The Game of Thrones at least serves a purpose. Like, certain people die, but it makes sense. Listen, so, basically what's going to happen is... But when, same thing with Harry Potter. They kill off the biggest character. When the Dark Tower movies come out, mm-hmm. and the TV series that's supposedly supposed to bridge the movies, yep. Stephen King can just stand there with a pen in his hand and do a pen drop. Mm-hmm. And be like, here you go. Because that is that is the fantasy story to end all fantasy stories. Really? So, just wait. Like, even more so than you Lord will, of the Rings? You will tear apart the book. Lord, don't get me started on Lord of the Rings, either. Oh, my goodness. And I'm, I'm like, a nerdy guy. I like nerdy stuff. But some of it, I'm just like, no. And I'm not saying that it's bad. I'm not saying any of this is bad. I'm just saying that people are too obsessed with it, and it's too overrated. It makes me happy. Says the guy who watches wrestling every week. Absolutely. But I don't begrudge you Mike drop I don't begrudge you the the chance to be happy and to enjoy and it I and don't. to talk about it and to and have I the, totally be part of the fandom to all of your wrestling stuff. I'm not I'm not I'm nothing no. about wrestling like you are about the things that you're into I know who your man crush Monday is That's fine everybody knows that But that the 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 point is <laughs> like <laughs> I don't immerse myself in that world I'm not you know I'm not walking around in wrestling t-shirts Listen, anymore. I told you I'm nerdy. I didn't lie to you. No, yeah, no. I And I'm fine with and it. I and and I be, am too. I might be nerdier than you. Well, that's... I don't doubt it. See that? But you can get away with it. But I, I think if we rewind to past episodes, you might have claimed that you were nerdier than me. So I think I win now. I think I was trying to give you or the opportunity to betray yourself as not being that way. Sorry. I failed you. Well, it's up to you. How you want to be seen by the... Adoring spooky South Coast public is on you. I've got to be a nerd. Um, That's who I, I am. Was, I was trying to give you the opportunity to kind of keep that part of you hidden. <laughs> Thank you. If you wanted to. I don't know if I should be insulted or happy. I think you should go home right now and watch Big Trouble in Little China. No. Nope. 30th anniversary. Oh, my God. When you get home, ask your husband about Big Trouble in Little China. I guarantee you he will rattle off at least 10 good quotes from the movie. I'm going to have to like ask you when I get home what it's even called, because I'm not going to remember that. Well, while we're, while we're going well beyond when we said we were going to, when we're talking about TV shows, has anybody else checked out Preacher? Yeah. I like it. It's got some twists. I haven't read the comic book. I've never read it, but I like I like the 
the uh, I like what they're doing with the show. It's pretty cool. I love that phone ringing. That was beautiful. Yep. I actually when I when they had the first phone ringing, I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but the first phone ringing, the ringtone was so weird. I immediately went online and like tried to find it so I could make it my ringtone for my phone. Because you know I used to have the CTU phone ring from uh, 24. So anyway, anything else we want to talk about? Anything we want to mention? People have been talking in the chat room about The Conjuring 2. I saw it. I watched it. I didn't go see it in the theater, but I watched it, and I didn't dislike it. I thought it was pretty good. It was an entertaining movie. I uh, I watched The Witch. Did you watch The Witch, Matt Costa? Uh, no, I haven't. But you have it. I, yes. You got it. Okay. Uh, I, I will I mean, say this. I thought that was really good. It's still in favor, is it? Is it? No. Oh, okay. No, I thought that was really good. That's worth checking out. Jack Burton. See, there you go. What the... Should I, should, can I read this on the air? Sure. I didn't read it. Just remember what old Jack Burton does when the earth quakes and the poison arrows fall from the sky and the pillars of heaven shake. Yeah, Jack Burton just looks that big old storm right square in the eye and he says, give me your best shot, pal. I can take it. You, you have to have the bravado when you say a Jack Burton quote. We're going to show you this movie. All right, I think I it's time to ra- wrap it up so we can have a, a Big Trouble in Little China Marathon. And uh, we will be back next week. Well, it being 4th of July, here's another one from him. May the wings of liberty never lose a feather. There you go. Wait, we're about to close the show out, and the phone starts ringing. Should we take, should we take a 12.38 a.m. phone call for Spooky might, South Coast? This might be fun. I don't know. I've never taken a 12.38 phone call, I don't think. Let's do this. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. I guess that's the first for everything. Oh, good. It's a nice, safe person. All right. Phew. Yes. You had us Are you here for my backup? For Game of Thrones? Yes. Always. Thank you, God. I may or may not have an obsession as well, but I also may or may not have a tattoo related to the show. I, I know nothing of that. <laughs> the, I'll leave it at that. But yeah, it, well, uh, I guess it all depends on where it is, though. Is it in an appropriate place to talk about on the radio? Well, if I know about it, then yes. It is <laughs> I don't know what you guys do. When... What? <laughs> Oh my God! No, but I like—I don't know. That's only going down a hole. Yeah, I'm saying you have abilities. I do have abilities. You are correct. I don't know if you can but X-ray am, vision people. I probably can, but I am also highly professional and very happily married. Yeah, but it's not about seeing other things. It's about seeing the tattoo. No, I know, but why'd you take uh, it there? You had to make it weird. No, if I knew about something weird about someone, I usually don't tell them that I know about it because it it's weird. It's like, I, you know, I could check you out, Ross, but I just, I choose not to. Well, what, How does that well, make you feel? say it on the air. Well, knowing that it's just on my upper left arm and I'll yes. say that since it's just out there, then, All right, that, you know, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Okay. Yeah, the, the, the Game of Thrones is definitely, in my opinion, much better than, than Walking Dead is at least. Well, it's definitely I, worth checking out. I can give you that. Now, are you a Dark Tower fan? I am, actually. I did read the books. Can, I, how, would you, with you. how would you compare those two? Oh, in a completely different class. I mean, I, I've i always been a huge Stephen King fan, at least when I was younger. You know, and, and I was... Uh, I was probably one of the few people who actually thought the Stand movie miniseries was well worth it. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, without a doubt. And if you've seen any of the photos of, um, I think there's a photo surfaced around of um, Matthew McConaughey playing Miranda Flagg. Oh, yeah. It, it, it looks 
it looks like it's going to be pretty pretty awesome. And what I think, you know, because they're also making a stand movie, or they're supposed to be making a stand movie, I think it's a must that if you're going to have McConaughey play, you know, the Man in Black in the Dark Tower, you need to also have him play Randall Flagg in the stand, right? Oh, absolutely. He was one of the quintessential characters. I mean, he was... You know, the bad guy in the stand, not to give any, not to, you know, spoiler warning yet. But it is. I mean, see, you like the the Game of Thrones, Stephanie, because you know the the universe that's everything that's created around it. But the Dark Tower goes across pretty much all the Stephen King books. I'm not. I don't know how I feel about Stephen King. I think it's like the the creepy scariness that I can't get into. You have you put that part aside, okay, and you get into. What he is is a storyteller, mm-hmm. and it will completely change your mind. Like it's almost like the horror stuff is like you, you understand it better, and it, it actually becomes scarier that way because it's not just, you know, it's not just kids being afraid of a clown. Okay, it's what that clown represents, and it's what these kids are trying to battle against. And when you get into like the allegory of it all, but then in actuality, all the stories are connected, and there is kind of a, an overarching something behind it. The it's, one, just, it's mind-blowing. The one Stephen King movie, I think, um, that I got into was Rose Red. Did you ever see it? I, I didn't watch it. Ross, I think I watched it? some of it. I've seen maybe one of the episodes. I, I know how it ended. It um, was, it, that was one of those ones, good. they made that for TV, and then he wrote the book afterward. Yep, um, so. but it was based at the Winchester mm-hmm. house. Um I loved it, like just a great psychological thriller and like the stuff behind it and you know the psychic element of it all was like really awesome. But it was terrifying. Hey, so you've never read um, the Dead Zone? No. It's about a psychic. I don't. Ross, I got work to do here. I got I, I got to start downloading okay. all these books hey, for. Hey, the movie's worth it itself. Just I mean, it's it's Christopher Walken. Uh, Christopher Walken and Stephen King together? <laughs> yeah, I Listen, I stay away from scary things. And I don't watch movies. And I don't watch movies because my husband sees them by himself all the time. So I have no one to watch movies with. Or I don't have time to watch movies. Well, we're, we're going to take this a little bit deeper. Uh, we're going we're gonna to start really explaining to her the... You know, the stories behind the stories. Uh, and, and you can put aside the little scary things when you realize, like, it's what it's about. So we'll get into all that with the rest of Oh, my order. goodness. That's okay. I mean, you got to admit, though, King was, he's, he's crossed so many different um, genres of books and horror. I mean, I know he's done a fantasy novel, and he did one or two for his kid. You've seen Shawshank Shank Redemption, right, Stephanie? What? Yeah, yeah. Nope. You've seen Stand By Me? Nope. All right. Well, that does it for this week's edition of Spooky South Coast. <laughs> Ross, thanks for calling in. We're going to have to call it a night here. Have a great one. Bye. Good night, guys. Take care. And uh, we will be back next week. The Red Sox will be playing earlier. They have a 4 o'clock game, so if it's 27 to 1 again or whatever it was tonight, we should get on just about in time. Uh, but tune in next week for another edition of Spooky South Coast. Until then, of course, SpookySouthCoast.com is the website. Follow us on Twitter at SpookySC. Follow us on Instagram at Spooky underscore South Coast. Matt's going to be streamlining all this stuff eventually. But, you know, we're all over the place. Wherever you can engage with people on social media, you will find us there. Come follow us. Get involved with all the spooky fun all week long. Until next week, for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, for Chris, I'm Tim, and we want you all to stay spooktacular.